Arjuna as a student. Arjuna also said in so many words, I do not think this sorrow will go away just by gaining a kingdom. Whether the kingdom be here or in the hereafter, even if I go to heaven and become the ruler there, I would be the same wanting person. I would have the same problems. Arjuna knew that to be the ruler of a kingdom brought only royal problems that enemies abound especially if the kingdom is prosperous or unrivaled he therefore did not see himself as one who would be free from the problem of sorrow by gaining any kingdom the problem of sorrow as arjuna pointed out is self non acceptance in fact self non acceptance is the original problem if i do not see myself as an acceptable person that self non acceptance will always be there with or without a kingdom therefore arjuna saw no solution to the problem he recognized that he had spent his time on immediate empirical concerns and had never dealt with the ultimate concerns of life because of his desire to solve the original problem Arjuna offered himself as a student to Lord Krishna and asked him to teach him what he needed to know. He considered himself to be qualified for this knowledge because he had enough experiences in life and had discovered the problem. All that now remained was for Krishna to decide whether he would accept him as a student. In other words, the ball was in krishna's court arjuna having done his part by saying i am your shishya a student please teach me all of this we will see in detail in coming episodes there are three very significant words that mean the student in sanskrit vidyarthi antavasi and shishya vidyarthi means the one who wants to know and can refer to the type of student who enrolls in a college to get a degree but spends very little time in the classroom uh like bill gates maybe an antavasi is a student who lives with the teacher this type of student also wants to know but may not be able to grasp what is being taught A sishya is one who is truly qualified to study and therefore deserves to be taught. He or she may also gain other experiences while studying, but these are byproducts only. For the sishya, there is a certain direction and commitment that is necessary for him or her to re- really accomplish anything in life. If I am happy that you are in my class then you are a shishya if i miss you when you are not there you are a shishya if i wait for you if you are delayed by a few minutes you are a shishya to be shishya means you are qualified to be a student the teacher looks for your presence and does not want you to be absent when this is so you are definitely shishya 
When Arjuna told Krishna, I am your Shishya, please teach me, he was also saying that he had a commitment to this knowledge, that he saw the value of it and also that he looked upon Krishna as a qualified teacher. He did not say he was a student, but he said, I am your student, meaning that he had chosen Krishna as his teacher. The Gita began only because Krishna took Arjuna seriously and chose to teach him. Therefore, we have 17 chapters of dialogue between the teacher and the student. Krishna Arjuna Samvada Krishna may have thought in prose, but Vyasa chose to put it in form of verses, you know. Each chapter is a dialogue with a predominant subject matter, which is revealed by the title of the chapter. So the first chapter is called Arjuna Vishada Yoga, meaning that the topic discussed in Arjuna Sarav. And my personal opinion is like, Vyasa and other great rishis chose this verse method because it is easy to carry on to next generation and next generation. A fundamental problem requires a fundamental solution. A problem can be solved topically or fundamentally and Arjuna decided to solve it fundamentally. Because of the clarity it produces in one's thinking, a fundamental solution resolves the problem so completely that topical issues of right and wrong no longer arise. In fact, in the second chapter of the Gita, Krishna told Arjuna that his sorrow was not legitimate, that no sorrow is legitimate even though legitimate sorrow is commonly accepted. In other words, we acknowledge that it is legitimate to be sad in certain situations. When you have lost a loved one, for instance, it is wrong to tell yourself that you do not want to be sad or that it is not legitimate to be sad. If you are sad, you are sad. Therefore, it is best to acknowledge the sadness and that there is a reason to be sad. Remember, however, that you become sad because you are already subject to sadness. In fact, only the sad become sad, just as the mad becomes mad and the bad becomes bad. All that is required is a particular situation. The sad person is already there and it may take no more than a change of weather for him or her to be, become sad. Certain plans may have been made based on a weather forecast of a good weekend. A rainy weekend then becomes a bad weekend. There are vulnerable spots in everyone and when these are touched, the person is touched to the quick, meaning that he or she suddenly becomes angry, frustrated, sad, hateful or desperate. A person does not suddenly become a desperate person. He or she is already desperate. The person is the despair. Psychologically speaking, there is sadness 
and there is some legitimacy for it. But if you look into the matter dispassionately and realistically, you will find that there is no real reason to be sad. When you go to a therapist, you are a seeker. The therapist analyzes your past and arrives at a solution to your problem, saying, for example, it is all due to your mother. Yes, that is true, you say. In this way, the therapist validates your feelings. Knowing there is a reason for your sadness, you have a sense of freedom. You had certain opinions about yourself that made you sad and now your reactions and responses have been validated properly. Your conclusions based upon wrong notions about yourself can now be looked at differently. By changing those op options, opinions, you gain a freedom as do you have thrown light upon yourself. Accepting situations as they are. You begin then by acknowledging the situations and validating your responses. Later, you find there is no reason for sorrow. It does not mean you are suppressing the sorrow only that you see the situation as it is. What we are doing is taking the sorrow one step further and asking, is there a real reason for sorrow? Lord Krishna told Arjuna there was not. How could he say this? Was it merely because he had never experienced sorrow? After all, Krishna was looked up to, everyone prostrated to him, and all the gopis were after him. Did he not recognize Arjuna's limitations? Lord Krishna understood Arjuna's limitations very well. Everyone has limitations, physical, perceptual, intellectual, and others that are picked up while living one's life due to natural aging process. Originally, you may have had 20-20 vision and now perhaps a vision of 2060. Thereafter, you require glasses, a hearing aid, and perhaps a cane also, God forbid. In spite of all these limitations, Lord Krishna said, there is no room for sorrow. It is something to know and is what the teaching is about. Arjuna asked for the knowledge and Lord Krishna taught him in the second chapter. He did not just make the statement and ask Arjuna to work on it. He made it very clear. Once Arjuna received the teaching, it became a matter of questioning and assimilating the knowledge given to him. Thus, the second chapter ends with Arjuna's question, How do you describe a wise man? Krishna had told him that the person who is wise is different. He or she is one in whom, due to wisdom, there is no room for sorrow. Since the problem is to be solved by knowledge, Arjuna wanted to know how a wise man behaves while conducting the affairs of his life. He wanted to know how he walked, how he talked, whether he talked and so on. 
Krishna did not answer the question literally, but instead responded to the spirit of the question. Had he not done so, Arjuna may have thought that all he had to do to be wise was to walk, talk and sit in a certain way. A wise person is one who is happy and secure with himself or herself, one who requires nothing else to become secure. It refers to one who looks at oneself as a totally acceptable person, the one who can say, I cannot be better than myself, because the acceptance is total. There is no area of non-acceptance. The self is essentially free from any sense of want or limitation. It is the whole, in spite of the limitations of the body-mind-sense complex. You are the whole. I am the whole. If you understand this, then you do not need to prove yourself to anyone. To do so is no longer a necessity. Such a person may do a lot of things, but not to prove himself or herself. This is how Krishna defined a wise man to Arjuna, and he gave a few examples as we will see later. It will get interesting and interesting further away. Two Lifestyles for Gaining Self-Knowledge Krishna also talked about Karma Yoga, a life of activity, and about Sannyasa, a life of renunciation. Then he said that all you need in order to be free is to know yourself. Why then, Arjuna asked, do you ask me to engage myself in this war which will result only in destruction? It was a very relevant question actually. Arjuna thought that Krishna was giving him two conflicting pieces of advice. Krishna had said that knowledge liberates and therefore Arjuna felt that he was telling him to pursue knowledge, which was what he wanted to do. Not only had Krishna said that knowledge liberates, he had also said that karma binds. Then he had told Arjuna to do karma. What, this, what did this mean? Then Arjuna begged Krishna, Please do not say, Sannyasa is good and Karma Yoga is also good. I cannot accept this. Don't confuse me. Tell me one or the other. Knowing the difference between Karma Yoga and Sannyasa is a matter of understanding and Arjuna was confused. Therefore, he asked Krishna to tell him which one was right for him to follow. But Krishna did not want to play the role of a consultant. He only wanted to teach Arjuna. To teach is to make the other person see as clearly as you see so that he or she does not need to come to you again. The person who is able to do this is a teacher. Krishna, being a teacher, did not give Arjuna advice. Instead, he taught him the remaining chapters 
of the Gita. At the beginning of the fifth chapter, Arjuna had the same doubt and rephrased his question. Again, Krishna told him that sannyasa was good and karma yoga was good. Then he told Arjuna that it was not a matter for choice, that it was a matter for understanding. Thank you.